Hello and welcome to the Second Row Podcast. This is episode two of the lockdown edition. Uh, Oshin is with me online through Clean Feed. How are you? Hello. Yes, we have just about managed to fight through 17 different versions of technology this morning. Despite the fact that I've spent the week on video conference calls for work, this was the challenging part. Well, you don't have to attach microphones to your laptop for that, I'm guessing. So that could be the issue. <laughs> no, they deal with my normal sound quality. Only you insist on me sounding like a proper person. Uh, and me, people that listen, you know, the internet. Yeah, whatever. But uh, yes, we are here. We are back for a bite-sized edition of more kind of good feels and happy memories podcasting from the rugby world. <laughs> That's it. And before we get into all that, we'll just do a quick look at the relative news from the week before every news thing is sport yeah that's not happening anymore yeah there's a couple of like little bits of more coronavirus sport updates like the irfu um, and the players are working together to cut costs so there's a um, people have volunteered to take a reduction in pay for a while which is very responsible doesn't seem to be happening in england though well the premier teams look like the players are fighting the 25% pay cut that they're trying to bring in there. But the RFU in general seems to be broke because there's a lack of money coming from international games. Who could have thought it? I mean, yeah. whether or not it's going to be World Rugby that have to step in and empty their coffers. But even World Rugby only get their revenue from, you know, the World Cup cycles. So it's not like there's a big pot of money knocking around anywhere for this. No, like it's a real struggling time. And I think people will have to just be a bit considerate when it comes to stuff like season tickets and refunds and things like that i do think everyone has to help each other out and let's see where these things lie but the players in the meantime are kind of keeping themselves entertained anyway yeah you've been trawling through some fun stuff on instagram what's the best that you found this week i saw um I saw Peter McCabe, who's played for Connacht and Munster, and a friend of his doing some sort of mad challenge where he starts in a push-up position with his friend standing on his back, and then he jumps up, and they go like with little mini jumps and posture changes until the guy's standing on his shoulders. That is Kieran Marmion's brother, Liam. That's one is of the it? Connacht physios. Yeah, they all live together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was very funny. It was very good. Uh, at least he can mind himself if he hurts himself true and look speaking of minding yourself there's been some good stuff from jack carty this week around you know the whole tackle your feelings initiative himself carl sheridan ex of munster was very involved in it as well uh, just people making sure that as we go through these weird uncertain times people are taking care of their mental health as well as their physical well-being which is obviously really important yeah i think a video like that coming out right now is like i'm sure that was going to come out now anyway but it adds an extra weight to it in a time when people are struggling at home and you know, like it said in the video, things aren't as bad as they seem and things won't ever be as good as they seem either. But it's just all about balance and keeping yourself set. And in terms of things being as good as they seem, last week, Porik and myself talked about our kind of first and our first home games and some of the big experiences that matter to us, the sense of community that comes from rugby. This week, we wanted to talk about when that community hits the road and some of our big away trips. And for me, like, it wasn't even a Munster away trip. My first big Munster away trip was actually the Heineken Cup final in Twickenham uh, against Northampton. But before that, uh, myself, uh, my brother and my parents went to France for the Six Nations back in 2000, which was, as we're seeing lots of media about this year, a really good game to be at. <laughs> yeah, like that's renowned for that Brian O'Driscoll hat-trick. A 13 that is going to be named at 13 in 
many, many, many top teams for years to come. He announced his place on the stage and to be there would have been incredible. It was. I mean, again, same as we were talking about last time, you don't necessarily remember the individual plays or the individual line breaks, but I do remember the sense of occasion. Like I was, you know, 12 years old at that. So I think probably a lot of it passed me by. But I remember being on the metro out to the stadium because the stadium in Paris is miles out of town. And um, just all the French supporters on the way out singing. They were jovial. They were expecting a big win. I tell you what, Pork, it was a very quiet train on the way back into Paris <laughs> after the game. <laughs> I bet, like, French fans are just renowned for proper heart on sleeve, you know, fandom. And to be a part of that for the lead up to that game and then obviously getting the other side of them off the, like, that, did that just happen? On the way back is amazing. Well, we were there all with like face paint on and really just love it, loving it. Um, but I think what was really nice was then two years ago for my dad's birthday, him, myself and my mum went back to Paris. And uh, that was the, the Johnny Sexton drop goal to win it with the last phase. Uh, so I've had good luck with trips to Paris. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you just keep going to Paris for Irish games and that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it works, works for me. I, I think I've probably got a very different sense of it this time in that there was far more traveling Irish support. Um, I, obviously, I was an adult. I went out into, into Paris to, to meet friends afterwards. And that was that was good. There was a real good buzz about that, actually. I'd say it would be incredible. And could you imagine those people who left at 79 minutes? Like, <laughs> you must be looking at people going, where where are you going? There was a friend of mine whose, um, whose girlfriend... I'm not I'm actually his girlfriend at the time because this was a serious blow. Um, insisted <laughs> that she, he come out of the ground and meet her outside the bathrooms because she had wanted to leave early and he missed the whole thing. Oh, oh no! Yeah, just no. Like, oh no! <laughs> what? Why? Yeah, that's a party film. Oh, don't tell me about it. Uh, so, what about you, Borg? First time on the road? Any big memories? I haven't been lucky enough to go to an away Ireland game, so. All mine are Connacht matches, and my first away Connacht game was the first of those. Remember those Champions Cup, Heineken Cup qualifying games between the eighth Premiership team and Pro 14 team and yes. French team? Yes. That only happened for like a season, didn't it? A couple of years. Those two years yeah. that they, were, they would happen. And okay. I went over to the Gloucester match when Connacht faced Gloucester. Literally, the week, seven days beforehand, I'd left my phone down in the pub. And our good friend Paula literally bought my tickets to the game, my flights and transfers, everything, obviously using my money. I was going to say, I hope she told you she was doing this. Afterwards, because I'd been moaning about not going so much. She just pretty much sent me over. <laughs> well, I mean, that could have gone one of two ways. I, I very nearly did that for the Ireland test against South Africa a couple of years ago. I was sitting in the bar with some friends watching the first one and two of us, like, we had costed the entire trip. We didn't do it in the end because it was going to be crazy money. But, uh, yeah. I luckily I had the money in my account, so it's fine, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's the trip where I met my closest gang of con friends. So one of the lads, Liam, who I've on occasion had to go, look, we kind of talk the same about rugby. Can you just tweet the second row for me for this game? Because I've got a family <laughs> event. You know, like these are some of the closest guys I've met. I have had incredible nights that I'll never remember with them. We organized trips to Clinetley and all the Pro 14 games with each other. Like that's that group we organized. And that's where that friendship came from, you know. So that 
game always has a special place in my heart. But I can't talk about away games without talking about four years ago and being in Murrayfield for Connacht versus Leinster in the Pro 12 final. Just incredible. You couldn't have expected what happened that day. The thing is, I always felt we're going to win because I felt we deserved to at that stage. The season had been just one of those weird roller coasters of this is actually happening. This is actually happening. Like I drove from Connemara to Glasgow for that game to Edinburgh and then got uh, the bus to Edinburgh for the game, but literally did it on the car ferry. It was just an incredible experience being outside the back of Murrayfield and telling Connacht fans the buses are coming get over to the entrance and start singing the fields of Athenry. <laughs> and tell me, how, who did you go over to that with? Our friends, Paul and Pam Carney, they were in the car with me the whole way over. And then they e- ended up staying later. So I drove back on my own. But oh, the, no. But I tried to race the team to Galway City. <laughs> and if it wasn't a fact that I was so tired, I took the wrong turn. You know how when you come down from Belfast, you can miss the turn to Dublin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up halfway to there. I was like, no, I missed them. I didn't even get a hint of the team's homecoming. Oh, nightmare. But it was just such an incredible occasion. I couldn't tell you what tries were scored or how they were scored. But all I know is since every year, there's a picture of me being caught on camera just celebrating like a mad yoke on the steps of Murrayfield. That was, um, was that Robbie Henshaw's last game in a Connacht shirt? It was indeed. It was indeed. That is, in my own... Don't mention the war. (laughs) It was the last time he's played at club level at 13, and look what's happened since. But that's a different story as well. (laughs) International fullback, uh, Robbie Henshaw. (laughs) A 12 that doesn't look as good as he did at 13 for some weird reason. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Think. Think. But yeah, it was just an incredible day. It's it's hard to describe the feeling of that day, like that we we won. We finally have that silver to put in the, the trophy cabinet. We we're not the younger brother developmental province. I was going to say the ginger stepchild, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, like no one can talk about us like that anymore. It was some turnaround. Like I was living in Galway. I just moved to Galway, I think, when a lot of the conversations about can Ireland support four provinces, do we need a Connacht, were happening. So, like, to make that turnaround inside kind of a handful of years was just so impressive. And it took drive and it took players eventually staying. I know, like, I'm talking about the guys like Michael Swift who had left the year before, Ronan Lockney, who's like a lifelong player as well, John Muldoon. You had guys who'd been there in the bad times and just stuck through. And suddenly you're like, there's a good group of youth here. You had that sense of everything coming together. And at the the face of it all, Pat Lamb, who revolutionized rugby in the West. He gave a certain toughness that, for me, Connacht had always been lacking. And I don't mean effort, right? I just mean that kind of mental ability to grind out a game and always believe that you can win. That, that really wasn't there. I remember being in the sports ground as Connacht were in winning positions and let them slip. Um, Pat Lamb's Connacht team didn't do that. No, like the second we took a lead or we looked like winning, we were winning the game. And a lot of that season, people were talking about it was a World Cup year and Connacht got lucky. But at the end of the year, like we played Leinster, Glasgow, Glasgow, Leinster. We won all four games. You know, we, in that order, like 
you don't do that's not a fluke you know that culmination comes with hard work grit determination and and a great big trophy (laughs) that's the prize but it comes from everything else (laughs) true no that's a that's a good one i mean i've i've i remember i've been at a couple of monster wins i was there when we won the the celtic cup against neath back in the day um and niche reference I'm telling you, right? That is that is niche. That's rugby hipsterdom 101. <laughs> um, um, and I was at the Heineken Cup final, the second win in 2008. Um, as a gang of us went over for that, but yeah, it's it's always special watching your team lift the trophy. Yeah, and I think I was in that lucky position that we were able to see comps first. Yeah, you know, yeah, and there's yeah, not true. many people could say they've seen their team's first major trophy. <laughs> kind of a slightly dubious honor but i know what you mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh what's on the wish list like have you got any particular ground that you haven't been to that you like want to get to this season or next season when we're all allowed to travel again i'm pretty sure i want to do every ground in france especially clermont i'm i'm hoping that connacht are back however the cards fall and the you know next season about uh heineken cup qualification i really hope connacht get clermont's um group mm. so i can go to there because i just hear stories and tales of the incredible yeah, claremont yeah. fans and i want i want a taste of that i was at um munster played claremont in a heineken cup semi-final a couple of years ago <laughs> more than a couple of years ago now claremont fans are great i would i would totally be up for a road trip to the stade marcel michelin yeah it just seems like an incredible place and you know i have friends who went to russia i'm, I'm glad I, like we won't be doing that anytime soon <laughs> For sure. And hey, we're going to have to get an Ireland game under your belt. Maybe Italy next year. Yeah, that's actually one me and my girlfriend were talking about going over to look at. So hopefully now that's been put in the diary when we're allowed to travel. Excellent. Sounds good. Well, look, just a, a nice little walk down memory lane and something to look forward to, I think, when normality resumes. Yeah. And in the meantime, me and Oshin will keep doing the lockdown episodes. And hopefully every Monday, I'll have an interview for everyone to listen to with a former player or someone to do a kind of rugby. Fantastic. In the meantime, we want to keep hearing from you. Let us know about your brilliant game memories. And yeah, keep in touch. Let us know at the second row, 2ND, not the word second, or hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of the social medias. Porik has all of the social medias set up. And don't forget to like and share. Except TikTok. No, but we don't know what TikTok is. I have a TikTok. I don't know what it does, though. (laughs) Okay. So don't hit us up on TikTok if you want to reply, because, yeah. (laughs) Not only that, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on all those podcasting apps. So until next week, talk to you later and stay safe. Bye, stuff.